Good evening, Movement Church. Pastor Julie here. I am pinch hitting for Pastor Pat tonight, and I am super excited to be here. Hey, listen, one of the things that we're going to be talking about tonight is really dear to my heart. You know, especially in this season, uh, in the season of physical distancing, I think that one of, the, one of the challenges that people are starting to face is not necessarily physical distancing, but physical isolation. And isolation ha- is becoming more and more of a problem as we've been distant from one another. And we know just as Christians, we know in the kingdom how important it is to gather together. And so we can, but we can so easily slip into this isolation mode. And so tonight, I am super excited to have with me the newest member of our staff. His name is Thomas Patrice, and he's here with us tonight. So thank you, Thomas, for being here. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here, actually. Yeah, so, so Thomas's new role is actually the director of groups. So in, in other words, basically, he's the director of getting people to connect and be in relationship and so first of all because he's the newest member of our staff Thomas why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself sure well I grew up in Long Island New York uh, so I come from all across the country to come here (laughs) and uh, I'm excited to be here to uh, you know serve in ministry but my past basically in 97 I stepped into ministry as a youth pastor and that was like a moment that I, I wasn't even Uh, looking for it, but a pastor saw that calling on my life and called it out. I stepped into it, and God has just been faithful all these years. I stepped into different positions. God used me in so many different ways, and uh, there was a season where I had to step back and regroup and, and get a fresh word from God as to where he wanted me to go, and that's when I wound up in these doors. Oh, that's awesome, and so you have, tell me a little bit about your family. So, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I went to Christian school from, uh, I guess, even preschool. And my parents were fervent followers of God. My mom is a real intercessor, a prayer warrior. She prayed us through so many different things, especially in my life and my crazy teen years. When I was going wild, you know, she was still standing in the gap and making sure that, you know, God had a hand on my life, and he did. And, uh, yeah, I had a wild experience, yeah. but that led me back to him. And so yeah. it's, it's really powerful. You know, when you train your children up in the way of the Lord, they will not depart. Yeah, I may have separated for a season, uh-huh. but I didn't depart, and, and, and it led, led me back. Yeah, so pretty much your life was the complete opposite of my life. So I can absolutely appreciate that, that heritage and that legacy. Now, you have a beautiful wife, and... And I, I really want to applaud Thomas right now because he doesn't look tired to me, but you have a new baby. Yes. So how old is your baby? He's one years old. Oh, he just he turned was. one. <laughs> so is he sleeping? He's sleeping better now. Okay. Yeah, there was okay. probably six months where I didn't look like I do now. I'm, I'm getting a little better. I think I met you during that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think I met you. I think we actually did lunch because we were talking about this possibility of you coming on to staff and you taking over and, and really leading and having vision for and for our group's ministry. And at that time, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, he's tired. Yeah, he's there was some very foggy <laughs> memories of that right now. Well, I am so glad. And so by trade... 
Tell everybody what you do by trade, which I super love. So, yeah, I'm a hairstylist. I own a salon in Solana yeah. Beach. It's, got it's called hair. Radici yeah. Hair Studio. Hair. <laughs> so we sat down, and I was like, Thomas, what? What's going on right here with this? Alexa? <laughs> Every time I see him, I feel like I have to apologize for what is going on right here. And so, anyways, I love that. Yeah. I, and he, you're so gracious. Yeah. You're always like, no, you're good. You just yeah, need no, a little. No, I, I tell people I'm like a doctor. You don't have anything I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. I know. I was like, okay, we got we to gotta fix this thing. So, anyways, well, tonight, as I said, we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of relationships, the idea of groups. We're going to talk about isolation. And I think what, what, as we were talking just before we, we kind of went online, I was telling Thomas that if there was any goal that I had, it was really that tonight that, that we might, through our conversation, remove some barriers that, are, that have kind of been maybe tripping people up or have been in the way of people really being able to connect in community. And, you know, I wonder, um, and honestly, one of the questions as we were kind of going back and forth on text and I said, Thomas, you know, why, why is being in a group so hard and so awkward? And I think as we, because it can be, right? And, and that's what we hear a lot when people step into a group. And I thought, why? Why do we see so many people say, you know, I want to be in a group. I really want to be in a group. And then they go and they go once. They maybe go twice. And then you never see them again. And they are that name, that invisible person, that name on a piece of paper. And I think actually if we, because I'm a little bit of a data and statistics nerd, that maybe 10% of people who say they want to be in a group and actually join a group actually stick in and become a contributing living, breathing member of that group. And, and I just have to ask myself why. And, and I think, you know, as we were talking, I said, you know, I think people do what they want to do. And even though they say, like, I want to be in a group, you know, I, I think a lot of people do what they want to do. And I think sometimes in groups, one of the roadblocks is that they might not really see or understand what I like to call the ROI, right? The return on investment of being in a group. And so tonight I just really want to talk about that return on investment. And you have an amazing just history and an amazing love and appreciation for groups. And I think the first time I met you, I walked away and I went, wow, he has really been impacted by having fellowship and community in his life. And this is why he, you kind of burn with that Whitehall passion for groups. So why don't you just take a minute and tell, a minute and tell us, tell everyone why, what, what, what the group's history was in your life and why it means so much to you. Yeah, absolutely. Basically, you know, I came from, I have a, a testimony where, you know, my life spiraled out of control uh, addiction, alcohol, drugs, a lot of different things in my life, and I found myself hitting rock bottom. And it was at that moment where I had, you know, a divine encounter. God led me back to him and divinely uh, created an atmosphere, or should I say a small group for me to be a part of. And right at that time, a pastor friend of ours in the family, he had a dream, and God spoke to him in the dream and said, I have to call, you know, these old friends of mine, which right. were my parents, and to, to do a Bible study. And I was, I had just gotten saved. I was on fire. I didn't know what 
the Bible was about, but I knew I was excited because Jesus did something amazing in my life, and I just couldn't wait to share it. So I came home, and my pastor was there. His name was Pastor Roy Esposito from Long Island. He's Restoration Christian Fellowship, and he said, I want to come back, like, after that first week. And so week after week, every Thursday, he began to disciple me. He began to mentor me, and I just began to soak in. And here I was. I was, like, 19 20 years old, this kid, and everyone else in the room, they were older than me. They were my parents' age, my parents' uh, friends, but I was so hungry for God, and I saw the wisdom, and I saw that they had something that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and so, so I love that. I have, I have a story I want to tell later, because remember I told you I have a story about sure. my very first small group, and it's so mm-hmm. funny, because yeah. it really is. It's a kind of a similar story, mm-hmm. but, but I love that. So, when you first got saved, you had this passion to grow and you kind of attached yourself to a group of people and they began to kind of pour into you. And right. I think that that community, there's there's three core values of our groups here at Movement Church. We have a bunch of different kinds of groups at Movement Church, but the three core values are, are basically their, their community, their discipleship, and their evangelism. And it sounds like you're in your history. You've had all three of those in operation, and you've actually seen the fruit of all three of those, as have I. I mean, Mike and I, pretty much our whole life, there has been, we've been married almost 30 four years and that's impossible because I'm I'm just pushing 40 so I don't even know we met when we were six and but anyways we we lit he was my first small group pastor Mm -hmm. and then he married me so hey girls if you want to get find a husband join a small group I don't know maybe that works (laughs) maybe not sorry so anyways um and we have the same history where we've seen all of those things kind of be accomplished through this this medium of small groups. Now, I know that we were really created for relationship. I mean, we see all of the pictures in the Bible of God desiring relationship with us, about him encouraging relationship with each other, about the, the, the scriptures that encourage gathering. Would you just just tell us, just let's just take a step into the Bible for a second. So give us a give us a Right out of the gate, a biblical explanation or maybe a biblical mandate for why we actually should meet together in groups. Sure. Uh, We go back to Genesis. God created man. He created Adam in the garden. And this was a sinless, perfect world, the Garden of Eden. It was before the fall. And yet God said, man shall not, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. And this was in a perfect place. So God had created, you know, there's a God-shaped hole in our heart that only he could fill. But he also left a void within us that only man can fill. Only others can fill. That's really good. And so that is the point where we have to connect with others. We are relational beings. God created us in such a way that we need each other. And when we don't have each other, there is a loneliness that sets in that, that kills us and eats us from the inside. You know, they just did a study, and it showed that loneliness uh, was just as damaging to, to the body as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. wow. So, so there's something to being connected. And that's a lot of people are in isolation, like you were saying, right now, especially with COVID. And we need to be in fellowship. We need to have that. And it is, there was a longing in my heart. One of the things, part of that testimony was, you know, I was surrounded in this new group with older people, and I craved that fellowship 
with my peers. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have it. And six months went by. And listen, I came out of that dark place. And there were calls, ex-girlfriends. There were people calling me into the, the old world. And there was a part of me pulling that I wanted to go back. Mm -hmm. But I, I was stepping up to and standing for the Lord, but I was getting weak. Mm -hmm. And there sure. was a moment in my life, sure. in, the, in a moment, I said, God, why, why can't you just provide other young people my age? Right. And the Lord says, I'm engraving in your heart the need for fellowship. Mm -hmm. I want you to know what loneliness feels like because there are lonely people out there. And he says, I want you to reach them. I want you to prepare a place so that they could come together and experience the life-changing truth that I have. Right. Right. I love that. And I love, I love the explanation of where, where in Genesis, where God says it's not good for a man to be alone. We often use that in our marriage counseling. Right. And so we're like, there was something not good about Adam just being by himself. And then we see in the Bible, you know, do not forsake the gathering together. I mean, it is very clear that the Bible teaches us as Christians that we need to, to be in community. But the statistics that you talked about, they are, that's a human statistic. That's not just a Christian statistic. Right. So loneliness is toxic. It literally is toxicity. And we see this need in humanity to gather, whether you're gathering around an ideology or whether you're gathering around uh, a sport or a pastime or a hobby. It's, we see that people have this tendency to want to gather. It's actually been put, it's divinely put in us. I love the scripture that Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. And it's been something that's been kind of rolling around in my spirit lately. It says, it's where Paul says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And I think that is one of the things as we talk about one of our first core values, which is community. And you hear Paul saying, I long to be with you because when we're together, when I'm together with my sisters in the Lord, when we're together with the people that are in our, our, we, our life group, there's an impartation that happens that is very different than just liking their latest picture of, you know, their, their dog or their grandchildren on social media. I mean, that's great. We like it. We say something. But when we're together, there's an impartation and we're encouraged by one another's faith. And I know that that is something that is, that is spiritually, divinely ingrained in us, that desire to meet together. So I love, you. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Now, one of the things that, you know, obviously we don't want to just do meetings for meeting's sake, but that community uh, is really important for being known. Now, we have had, Mike and I have had a, a couple, maybe two or three groups in our 30 four years or actually 35 because we were in a group together before we got married and there are people who have walked life like 14 15 years and we were in this group together and I have to say when one of the values of being in a group and sticking in a group even when it's hard or even when you're tired after work or you're you're just like I don't even know why we go it's just awkward we sit around they might make me pray they might make me talk or share and I don't like that but one of the values is when you hit a rough spot there is someone in your life that's able to come alongside you and go you're going to be okay because I know you 
I have watched you for 10 years, and I'm going to tell you, I've had people say, like, Julie, you're strong, and God's always going to take care of you. And so I think just that, that, that aspect of being known, but, it, but it's hard because you actually have to stay in the game. I mean, right. you actually have to commit to have, that is gold that is kind of refined by that every single week showing up, every single week showing up. So tell me a little bit about, and tell me a little bit, let's talk a little bit about discipleship. Sure. So if I were to ask you, because I, I think we all kind of want to grow wherever we're at in the Lord, we always want to grow more. So whether you're a new Christian or, or whether you're a 35-year-old Christian, you know, I still know that I have so much more to grow. How, do, how does being in a group actually contribute to this process of discipleship? Or how did it work in your life? Right. So spiritual growth. To me, you know, we were talking some statistics, natural statistics. Well, one of the things about biology that it says, whatever stops the process of growing begins the process of dying. Mm -hmm. So spiritually, if we're not growing, if we're not moving with the spirit of God, if we're not developing that in our life, we're regressing. And none of us in our walk wants to find us in that position. We want to be moving. We want to have a vitality within us. We want to be contagious Christians. Mm-hmm. Christians that, you know, exo- you know, have this example about us that, you know, it's not always the words that we use. It's the life that we live. Mm-hmm. And people could tell phonies. People know it. And when they see vibrant, genuine Christianity, uh, they're attracted to it. And so spiritual growth in my life, I remember I committed myself and, uh, you know, in that group. And over those course of years, you know, sometimes it was difficult. Sometimes, you know, you start to reflect on things and see things about yourself. And, you know, you come to points in your life where you're facing challenges that may be difficult, but you press in. And so perseverance is a key in spiritual growth. It's not just going to happen where God shows, you know, shows up and hands it to you on a platter. It's something that you have to d- dedicate yourself and say, you know what, God, I'm not giving up. I want the best that you have in my life. Mm-hmm. I want more. You know, and a lot of people mistake the Great Commission for, you know, you know, go out into all the world and make converts. So we have this preaching mentality, but it's really go out into all the world and make disciples. Mm-hmm. And a disciple is not just a believer a disciple mm-hmm. is a follower. Right. So it's an action. There's there, an action. There's an action. It's not just a mental ascension to, okay, receive God. But I'm actually committed and willing to start taking steps to follow him. But as a new Christian, you didn't actually know what following, maybe necessarily what following for you looked like. Right. And so you got to see that you got, yeah. you got to be in a, in a situation where people could pour into your life. I sat under somebody. And that's a key thing, you know. If you're at a point in your life where you may feel that spiritual hunger waning a little bit, or maybe you feel that spiritual hunger is there and you want to grow, find someone. Find a small group. Find somebody who's been in the Lord just a little longer than you have and say, you know, I, I want to grow. You know, can you partner with me? Can right. you be my right. you know, support, my mm-hmm. strength, somebody that I could, you know, mm-hmm. pour in? And that's what us leaders, we should be doing. Right. We should be replicating who we right. are, you know, working mm-hmm. ourselves out of a job. That's what Jesus did, right? Mm-hmm. He took the first <laughs> yeah, man to 12. He literally job. worked himself out of the <laughs> job. And, and he handed that to the, to the 12. And then they went and worked themselves out of a job. Right. Right. And I, and I do like that. And I think even as leaders, 
you know, I think we need to have people that we're still emulating, and we also have to have people that we're pouring into. You know, because I know even after all of this time and, and being a pastor and being a leader, there are still times when I'm looking around and I'm going, okay, I, I need to know what this next season of life looks like for me. And so I have a great story about this. Do you want, okay. do you want to know a great yeah, story sure, about yeah. this discipleship thing? So when I, when I first became a Christian, I was, well, when I first gave my life to Jesus and I got into the church, I was a bit of a mess and I was probably, I was very, as I like to say, I was a messy person. So messy people in the church are, we want that, but we also sometimes don't know what to do with them. And so I remember the pastor who was, we were a very, very large church, and that pastor, his name was Pastor Zach, it was the original Hope Chapel. And he was the one that invited me to church. He was the one that found me, you know, kind of <laughs> out in places where I shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. And I, he invited me to church. I gave my life to Christ. And so he had a personal investment in me probably not leading half of his congregation astray. Mm -hmm. And so I remember him saying, Julie, I need you to go to this women's group, and I'm going to put you in a small group. Now, this church was about 4,000 people. The average age was about 25. There, there might have been 10 people over 50. He decides for me, it was a very large women's group, that I needed to be in the small group with the 10 women that were over 50. And so I remember the first day going to women's group, and, and I walked out. I walked into his office, and I said, I'm not going to be in this group there. The whole morning, all they talked about was, was they were they were redoing their kitchen and I, they're like they're kitchen ladies and so I remember him saying Julie I just want to tell you you're a leader if I put you in any of those groups with any of those other young girls you're going to lead them in a place I don't want them to go so you're going to sit for one year in this group with these ladies and you're going to learn some things and so I, I loved him so much I walked back in and for one year I sat in a group with the kitchen ladies and they must have just, I mean, they were praying women, and they would make me little crochet doily things for my Bible, and they would encourage me, and I would kept, I'm listening, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is, when I get your age, am I going to remodel something, which I actually did, which was kind of funny. I'm a kitchen lady now, but that year stands out as one of the most powerful years of discipleship, because just getting a glimpse into what a godly woman looks like and lives like and I didn't come from a Christian family I didn't know what a Christian marriage was so I got to hear the stories of how God was working in and through their marriage and how they were having might even having challenge with their husband being frustrated but then how they love them and this whole concept of discipleship it wasn't a just join this group and take the five spiritual, a class on the five spiritual laws and take a test and pass. It was literally life on life. It was come into my life and let me share it with you and let me show you what life looks like as a believing woman. And at the end of that year, I can tell you that I don't know that I looked back to some of those tendencies that I had when I joined. So I am 1,000% sold on this concept of life-on-life life discipleship. Because even if we're spiritual peers, I can watch you go through things and handle them with the Lord, and I can learn from that. And you can watch me go through things and handle them with the Lord, and you can learn from that. And so it's that life-on-life life discipleship. It's awesome. 
Yeah, I, I wanted to also add on that too, that you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be ordained to disciple somebody. Yeah. You don't have to be walking in the Lord for a hundred years. You know, right. you could be saved for a short time and work some things, some basic things out in your salvation and take on someone new. And that's how you grow. When you're faithful with the little, God entrusts you with much, right? Mm -hmm. But you have right. to be faithful. You have to mm -hmm. start somewhere. And let me right. tell you, the strongest growth I ever had in my life was when I started to minister to someone else. Then all of a sudden, exponential growth began <laughs> yeah. to happen in my yeah. life. Yeah, because you, you never know anything as well as when you have to teach it or you have to model it. Right. And, and the way, sometimes the weight of that goes, oh, no, I'm in charge of you. You know, I'm in charge of you. So I think that's great. And I, I know part of the ROI of being in a group and being in relationship is that growth and that discipleship and learning to be a better follower of Jesus. So I love that. So we know that obviously just we've, we're, we're made for community and it's not even healthy for us not to be in community, not to, not to, it's, it's not healthy for us to be isolated. We know now that that God set up this, this concept of discipleship to work within relationship. Because that's why Jesus came and he got all these guys and he said, hey, follow me. He called them to do what? Follow me. And do, I do what the Father does. You do what I do. Now let's live life. Right. And then he taught them through just the daily things that were going on. Hey, everyone's hungry. How are we going to feed them? Right. Oh, hey, someone's sick. We should go pray for her. And so I, so I, so I honestly, I, I believe wholeheartedly that we, when we abstain from being in those groups that are intentional about really pursuing the truth of Christ, then I think that that is, is an inhibitor to our growth. And I just want to say that you can be in fellowship and I think that's good. You can have friends, but, and, and we have some friends right now, we've been chatting about this that we can get together for dinner. Hey, how's your kids? How's your grandbaby? You know, how's that, how's that, that kitchen project going yeah. in your life? But unless we actually set aside some time to meet and be intentional about this is, this is Jesus time. Mm -hmm. This is spiritual discipleship growth. Talk about God time then we're kind of just meeting and that ROI is a little bit diminished. I mean, I think it's still good because we're known and we're in relationship, but, right. but we were talking about that. Like we need to actually say, okay, Thursdays, we're going to get together and we're going we're gonna to do life group, meaning we're going to take an hour and we're going to intentionally pray for each other, intentionally focus on God. And so you take the relationships that you have right now and you just set some time aside to be intentional about spiritual growth. And so I think that that's also something that's really worthy of talking about and worthy of noting because in this growth discipleship process, it does take an intentional focus. Right. That we're, this is what we're talking about right now. So let's talk about, let's move on and talk okay. about, we talked about community, we talked about discipleship. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the last one. And, and I think this one, this one really excites me because I think by nature, I, I'm a little plumb this way, but let's talk about evangelism. When I, as we were talking through like the core values of our group and I see evangelism, I, I love, I am the person that goes, please, please come and ask me for money if I'm in a parking lot because I'm totally going to tell you about Jesus. Like, right. just give me the opportunity. <laughs> how, how in the world does being in a 
small group help with the process of evangelism? Well, to me, that is one of the purposes of the, the outpouring of discipleship, right? So we're growing spiritually, and we're growing into what? So we're growing into the image and likeness of Christ, but we have to be like Christ. And what did he do? He reached out. Everything in his ministry was reaching out to others to touch them with the good news. And so that's our, our job is to be his hands, to be his feet. And so we found high, high success. And maybe just because I was wired this way and I was, you know, sharing it with others in my groups in the past that we reached out to our friends, we reached out to our neighbors, we reached out to people. I mean, we had business cards for our group saying, hey, come to our group. We'd hand them out. I love that. You know, we wanted people, and, and in today's time, because this was 20 years ago, yeah. now in today's time with technology, you know, shoot them on Instagram, create a, 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 a small group account for your Facebook page, get people going, get some movement happening within the group because, you know, and I talk about this, it's kind of like, you know, the difference between the Dead Sea and the Jordan, right? The Dead Sea has all the tributaries flowing into it, and no life could, to, could grow in it. Yeah. It's, it's not livable, because everything, it's dead. But when the river, the Jordan River flows, and all the tributaries flow in, and it flows out, it's moving outward. And when you move outward, there's a spirit that comes alive. Let me tell you, when you lead someone to Christ... It, there is no greater joy when you touch someone with the gospel, when you see them. We've done uh, street evangelism on the street, and I've had people give their life to Christ right in front of me with tears. It brought tears to my eyes, and it was the most rewarding experience. Now, you may not be the type to walk up to people like that, but you could be a prayer evangelist. Start praying. Get, get a, a sheet of paper. List 10 people that you want to pray for, wake up every morning, begin to target pray. I call it right. target prayer. Right. Pray for those people. Yeah, put me on that list. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that it's purpose. So the group is meeting with purpose. And, and I know in, in the groups that we've had in the past, you know, we'll say, hey, how can we pray? And they'll say, gosh, you know, my neighbor. My neighbor does, I don't get them, they don't get me. I just know that there's a lot of fighting going on. And so will you just, this just happened in a group we just were in for many years, and would you just pray for my neighbors? And so as a group, we're like, all right, we're going to pray for your neighbors. And then all of a sudden, something happened. It created an opportunity. They were able to go over. They were able to start relationship, you know, kind of, kind of bridge that division. And then we're all just as a group, we're like, yes, yes. And, and then it, and it happens so much that when, when someone's in your group and they start to think, we start to think, okay, Stay on mission, people, because our mission right now, and you, you guys hear me say this all the time, the movement is on mission. We got to stay on mission. Our number one mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to stay on mission. So even in our groups, as we go, okay, there's somebody that I know. Would you, would you come to a small group? One of the barriers, though, is like, oh, that's going to be so awkward. Because, you know, Pastor Julie's in that group, and she's going she's gonna to want to pray over them. Or Pastor Jeff's in that group, and he's going to have a word for them. And I'm a little afraid of that. But I think we have to be unapologetically us. And they, they, they are seeing something very different in us already. So the best way to grow your group is to invite someone in. It's not, put a, put, it's not me announcing it from the pulpit and everybody signing up in a courtyard to be in a group. The 
best way to grow a group is to say, okay, I have a home, I have a couch, I'm going to invite six people, and two or three of those won't know Jesus, and we're just going to see where this goes. And I mean, just the excitement of that on mission is to be on mission together as a group is, I mean, it's, it's adrenaline. It is, it is the chocolate for Christians. Right, yeah, get that focus, get the right vision. And that's what this really is. We're realigning our vision for the core of the life group, the small group, the men's group, the women's group, whatever it is, and, and focusing it. You know, if we're all in a circle and we're all looking at each other, we start to begin to notice each other's flaws, mm-hmm. right? But right. when we turn around... We get irritated around, with one. Why are yeah. you still talking? We get irritated with right. one another. <laughs> you start to see everybody's flaws. Hey, you that do. one's lipstick wasn't on it's, right. You it's know? so you internal. <laughs> it's so, What's she doing with her hair? It's, uh, yeah, yeah it gets, Stop! <laughs> it's ugly. I know. I'm like, all right, now you got me all... Now you got me all just insecure. Yeah. So, But that's true. You're like, okay, yeah. she seriously needs to make a change here in her life. But yeah, you're right. right. Yeah. You're right, because we start to get very internal. Internal. Mm-hmm. And then we turn around... You know, so they, they had like a little exercise. I was at a, uh, a small group training. Mm-hmm. And so we're all holding hands, facing each other, and then we're all noticing each other. Then yeah. he says, turn around and then hold each other's hands again, but facing outward. He said, this should be the small group focus. We're looking outward. Oh, we're together so holding hands, mm-hmm. but we're facing outward yeah. and reaching out to people. Yeah. I mean, we used to have like a little healthy competition within the group to see how many people we could bring, new people. So I'd be looking across the room at my friend. I'm like, uh, hey, look at that. I yeah. got two more people here tonight, yeah. you know? That's so good. And I mean, just right now, because I'm very, uh, I'm really introverted. And I people are always like, no, you're not. I'm like, no, I really, really am. So there's a lot of people that are just cringing at that, at, at what you just said, because they're just like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to invite new people in. I mean, I'm sharing, I'm sharing stuff. We need to close our group, and we need to stay here just together. And I, and I got to tell you, a group that is definitely closed like that is probably going to have some challenges growing because they're just, and, and eventually you're going to trickle off because you're right. You're going to start looking at each other. It, is, it becomes that dead sea. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's hard because you get in these groups and you're like, no, we're a family and I don't, I don't have family. And, and I really want us to be, you know, just our little group, just our little clique. Right, us four and no more. Right, us four and no more. And, and as we begin to turn outward and as we begin to do things like that, now yeah. we can't stand and hold hands because, you know, we're socially yeah, yeah. distanced right now. We can't now. do that anymore. And so we can't do that anymore. So, um, but, but just that idea of turning out and saying this is the reason why we exist. We exist for this reason, to turn our focus out. So tell me a little bit about what happened when you did that a little evangelistic competition. Did people actually bring people? Yeah. You know, we started, you know, for me, it was easy because of the type of work I do. So I had right. new people in my chair, and I'd start talking <laughs> to them. And, you know, at that season of my life, Well, you're holding was, scissors. Yeah, yeah. I had a captive audience. You know, they didn't so. want to make a move. They listened to every word. <laughs> <laughs> so... No, it worked really well uh, being able to invite people, but I was the type, I go 
you know, all over, wherever I was. Right. I remember back in the day walking in a blockbuster video, and, you know, we, we found a, a, a homeless person on the street. We were inviting them, and they yeah, came. I, I mean, we had all it. kinds of action. But yeah. let me tell you, everybody in that group was on fire for the Lord. Because mm-hmm. you, you had purpose. Yeah. Right? You had purpose. So you're not just coming and you're going, okay, this isn't really, this is kind of a little boring. I'm feeling right. a little comfortable. Right. All of a sudden, there was a purpose for you getting together. Yeah. It wasn't me, yeah. me, me. Feed me, right. give me, right. but do in, this for me. But in the process, you're also being discipled because you're watching and you're following and you're seeing. Right. You know, we had in one of our group, we started a group about four years ago. And there was, I don't know, there was, I don't know, there's maybe like 30 people. Way too big for a small group. But that, that's kind of how it, before we even like took signups, because Mike and I are just the kind of people who are like, hey, we're starting a group, you should come. So I'm asking everybody, he's asking everybody. And it, on our first meeting, we realized that five people, five people were out of a job, mm-hmm. my husband being one of them. And, and he's, he's like the main income earner in our family. And he's, you know, at that time, like 56 years old or something like that. And we're going, who wants to find a job in engineering? at this age and we all began to pray and one by one people started getting jobs and every week we'd be there and we'd be like yes you got a job you got a job and it was just it was such a great and powerful time because we were being we were inviting God to work and he was but can you imagine if there had been seven people who had been invited that didn't know Jesus watching that process happen because they're just going, oh, my gosh, what, what is this? Like, what a mighty God we serve, right? right. So I, I so love this. Okay, so l- let me just, we have a question. Okay. So, and so I, Pastor Julie is not very technologically quick. So I'm going to read this. Thank you for, and, and you know what? If you're in our, if you're watching online and you got the little chat room, go ahead and just let um, Haley and Drea know you're there. So they're willing to, to talk back and forth. If you have questions, you can go ahead and put them in and we'll do our best to try to speak to that. So this says, wondering in the current climate with COVID, do you see Christians adapt Oh, adapt in being able to connect personally. I know prayer is so powerful, but there's something about being present with people. You know, that is such a good question. And I think the whole, the whole church is trying to answer that right now. One of the things that I can tell you is that my role here is to oversee. I oversee all the operations of the church. I oversee ministry and what what we call congregant care. And one of the things that I do know is that moving into this COVID time, the people that were already in groups, the people that were already in community did way better. Because when we got them on Zoom groups and they got face-to-face, they already had this foundation of knowing one another. And so when you got online, you're like, hey, there's your face. I miss your face. But, but that's not to say that we can't actually do that. So right now we are, we are, we are in this season where, you know, we, we have to, we can't just start a group of 35 people in a living room. But... Here's my suggestion for what we do right now. We can 
we, we, you, have a, you have people in your home, you have people in your household. We're saying have a watch party. So get together, watch the sermon, talk, have community. If you have a small circle of friends, begin to invite them. Or if you're just for, for medical reasons, Mike and I have had to stay pretty isolated for the most part for just some medical reasons, and I have elderly parents. But, um, but like the other day, I literally just texted a friend, CJ. She's probably going to watch she moved away, and I said, hey, I just really need to see your face. Can we do a FaceTime? And we just set a date, had some coffee, and we just chatted for an hour. It was so life-giving to me. So we have to be intentional about connecting with people, even if it is through this medium of Facebook or, or FaceTime or Zoom. The, the thing that we need to do is be very intentional about our meeting. So, hey, I would love to see if you want to FaceTime with me because I could really use prayer. Can we get together and just pray? Or can we get together and set up a time every week where we talk on the phone? Maybe we invite two other girlfriends and we go through a book. That's actually what our women's ministry is doing right now with Chandra, with, with Pastor Pat's wife. And they're just going through some books and they just got together in a group and they read and they get together and they talk about it. So we have to develop commonality. I mean, it, it is a challenging time because we're having to develop relationships over um, an electronic medium, but it can be done. The thing that I know is that God is not surprised by this day and the Holy Spirit is here and he's there <laughs> and he's there. And so I think that there is a there is a grace upon the church right now to minister in this way. And so I think that what I want to encourage you to do. So even in this time is to it's probably smaller groups is to take two or three people, invite them to watch, watch, this, watch church online and then say, we're going we're gonna to have FaceTime for one hour afterwards and we're just going to talk about the message and we're going to pray for one another. But I think the key is intentionality, mm -hmm. is setting that time aside to actually say, we're going to focus our relationship for 30 minutes on Jesus. And so, so, I don't know, can you speak to that as yeah, well? Yeah, I, I know my wife's immune compromised, and so we've, we're a part of a group, and we, we haven't gone to any of the groups in person. Um, so some of these groups now are like hybrid groups. So where the people that feel comfortable meeting, mm -hmm. they can get together mm -hmm. and, right. you know, socially distance at these right. meetings. But for myself and my wife, you know, we'll be at home, mm -hmm. you know, on our laptop, mm -hmm. zooming into the groups. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think some people may have a little like a technology gap that they have to learn. But if you could watch a video, if you could learn to use these technologies, it really could become seamless. It's just a matter of learning how to use it. And for us, it's been great. I mean, we enjoy getting in and being able to be with them. Um, you know, we sit down and, and we've been doing it now since March. So it's not like it's something uh, weird anymore. In the beginning, mm -hmm. it was tough. Just kind of, you it's know, odd. we have kids and the kids are crying Rutting and, you know, now, dogs. yeah, we're, yeah. we're put, making sure we put the mute button on when the baby's yeah. screaming, yeah. you know, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun because you do, you see like the dog jump up on the couch or, you know, the, the husband walk by in the background or the wife walk by in the back right, background, right. And, which really has created some funny scenarios in some of our Zoom groups. But, but yeah, it was a learning curve. 
and it's been really hard. But I think what I have noticed is, <clears throat> again, the people who were already in those relationships did, I think they, they really pivoted uh, pretty well. And we saw attendance, because we take attendance every week in our group, so we saw attendance kind of just even boost a little bit because people were like, gosh, I need to check in with someone. But I, but I really, I think, I don't, I think this disruption is changing everything. I just don't know that the church is going back to the way that it was. And I think that's a good thing. This has been an opportunity. But I do feel like the, the groups have, have gotten more, they've gotten maybe more intimate, more on point and on target. There's not as much, you know, oh, we're just here hanging out and we're like, hey, we're here. We're going to talk about the Lord. We're going we're gonna to be intentional about this hour of our week. And so I do believe, and again, um, there's nothing like that. I long to be with you so that I can impart to you. Yeah. Um, but I think we're living in a grace-filled time now. Yeah, I think I, God's grace is upon that, that intentionality. And this is a great opportunity as well if you haven't been to any of the small groups where you could just click on a link and be in the group and check it out. See if it's for you. See if right. you feel comfortable. You know, I think it's a great opportunity for every single member of the church. If you're not in, plugged into a group, hey, just check it out. You don't have to make a commitment. We're not mm -hmm. signing contracts for these things. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. all about you anyhow, you know, to, to mm -hmm. get your spiritual walk right with and mm -hmm. walking with God and, and mm -hmm. getting that fire mm -hmm. uh, and passion in your right. life. And, and to me, it's like, you know, if, you're, if you step away from a fire, you get cold. The, the closer you move to that fire, the more the warmth mm -hmm. takes you. And so for, for me in my life, you know, get into the fire. Don't stand and watch it from afar. Move close. Mm -hmm. The warmth of the Lord mm -hmm. is in this place. Yeah. And he's in these groups. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Well, as we're, we're, we're going to wrap up a little bit, there's a couple things that I, I definitely want to ask you. Um, if someone were interested in getting in a group, we have all kinds of groups. We have a ton of women that are doing book studies. We have a ton of men's group. You know, there's a men's group every Wednesday, every other Wednesday morning, they get on Zoom together and all they do is pray. They just pray for one another and they get up. It's like six o'clock in the morning because my yeah. husband is, is one of, is part of that men's leadership group. And he just walks away. He's like, man, that was so great. And, and men just, they just go on Zoom. It's like a half an hour. All they do is pray for one another. And there's men that, that have joined that group that maybe weren't in their circles in the beginning. So you can join one of those. If you're interested in being in a group, go to our website, go to groups, and check out the information there. Go to themovement.org. The other thing that you can do is you can just email Thomas. All of our emails are our first name, so it's thomas at themovement.org. And, and we'll probably put this in our, in our chat box, um, thomas at themovement.org. So if I were to ask you, for the movement family in, in this area, it is our, our heart to kind of fight this isolation. And right now, more than ever, we need people to be connecting in relationship in groups. Like, what's the one thing that we, you think we need or that, that you would like to see? If someone was like, man, I'm on board. I want to help with this ministry. What, what would you say that would be? Well, I think we, perseverance is, is, is one attribute that we need because we have to press in to make it 
a, a commitment within our heart. We're not committing to a church. We're not committing to people. We're committing to the Lord and saying, mm-hmm. God, I want to be in this mm-hmm. group. I want to right. make a commitment to right. you in be my spiritual in. walk. Be all in. Yeah, be yeah. all in. Yeah, yeah, you can't just have, you know, one foot in the world, one mm-hmm. foot in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, no man could serve two masters. Mm-hmm. You have to put all in. And that's when you experience the full mm-hmm. benefit of God. Sure. And, and, you know, you guys out there, I encourage you. And, and I just say that God has a plan for your life. He has a place where that plan will be fulfilled. And getting in these small groups is going to equip you to do the work and the call that he's mm-hmm. prepared for you. Right. Don't forget, you have a, a heavenly calling. There is a commissioning upon your life to fulfill something. And you need to be around prayer partners. You need to be around support, a team of mm-hmm. people that will embrace you mm-hmm. and get under your mission and help you mm-hmm. rise to the place that mm-hmm. God's calling you to be. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's so good. And I think the other thing that that I just want to call upon, that I want to press upon is the call to leadership. If yeah, you absolutely. have a if you have five people in your life that have been on your heart, if you have one person, if you have three people, lead. Just invite them in. It doesn't necessarily need to be in your living room. It could be sitting in, in a 10 feet apart in your front yard where everybody brings a chair, or it could be on a Zoom call. Just invite two or three of your friends. Go, hey, let's be intentional about growing in Jesus together. Will you get on a Zoom call every Monday night after all of our kids are asleep, and we'll do from 9 to 9.30 or something like that. So we need people to lead. We need people who are willing to be in community, to evangelize, to disciple. Even if it's one, two, or three people, we need, we need leaders. And I'm just calling forth leaders here at the movement, people who are willing to look around and go, God, who, who, needs to, who, who can I set aside an hour and be intentional with about Jesus this week? So I think that that would be, if that's you, Thomas can 100% help you. We can get you on Zoom calls. We can, we can set it up for you. We can, we can you know, help you maybe get two or three people to just be a part of your group. So Thomas is the guy, thomas at themovement.org. And then I think as we close, I do want to mention this because I'm really proud of you. As you have this new baby, as you're taking on this new ministry, you're getting your, your salon through COVID. Mm-hmm. You decided that that was a really good time to write a book. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if you're crazy or if it's just anointing. But anyways, Thomas wrote a book. And here, can, can I have it? Sure. This is awesome. And I am bragging. I want you to see. This is called You Are Made for This. Discover Your Place in His Plan. And so how can I get this? Amazon. You can go there and you could just type in my name, Thomas Patrice. It'll come up one of the first um, things that you'll see. It should be number one or number two. You were made for this. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so, and we're also putting the information or putting the name of it in the chat boxes. So, hey, everybody, go buy his book. So give us, okay, one minute. Give us your one minute spiel. If I read this book, what am I going to learn? Well, a lot of it is about transition in life. We're all moving through life. There's a prophetic timetable right now, and you're somewhere 
on that timetable. And God has a place for you in this season and the next. And you have to be where God has called you to be every step of the way. And we got to be guided by his voice. We have to learn to identify his voice. I talk about these things. I have a, a whole segment in there about stepping into God's time zone and about oh, really it. getting into the place where God's calling you to be. But you have to be ready to hear. There are divine appointments for you everywhere, every day. Amen. A lot of the stuff we've been talking about, God has a place for you. He has a, a mission for you every morning. I believe every day that you wake up, there's a mission for you. There is someone he wants you to talk to. There is something he wants you to do for the kingdom. You know, when, when they found Jesus uh, after Mary, Mary and Joseph walked away and they were wondering where he was, he was lost. And he says, I was about my father's business. Yep. Right? That's right. We got to be That's about right. our father's business. Right. It's not just showing up on a Sunday or even just going to a Zoom group or right. a small group. This is about every day. God, right. who do you want me to talk to, pray right. for, minister yeah. to? Yeah. I love it because you know why? You are made for this because <laughs> we are on mission. Right. You are. I love your passion is so infectious. I feel like I want to go out and just tell someone, like, gosh, you were made for this. There is a call of God upon your life. So you guys all, I'm so glad that you guys got to, got to meet Thomas and got to, got to hear who he was because, Thomas, I, I really believe that, that you are a divine appointment in our midst. And I, I love what you carry. I, you know, I, I love your passion. I love, but I also love that you're, very, you're a man of strategy. And so I, I do, I'm really enjoying these first steps that we're taking as we're, we're kind of, you know, just asking the Lord, what are we going to do to get people into community and groups? So as we close, I just want to remind you, the ROI is that community. You're going to grow in the Lord and be discipled and disciple one another, and you're going to be on mission and we're going to evangelize because that's what we were actually made to do. That's what we were called to do. So, Thomas, thank you. Thank you. And I hope that, that people that are watching, I hope that they get a chance to get to meet you in person so that you can impart some godly thing, a godly gift to them. So, anyways, just, just thanks so much for being here. And if you guys want to get in touch with Thomas, thomas at themovement.org. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And with one closing statement, you know, Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. You know, but many are called, but few are willing to be chosen. Mm -hmm. Step up. Take a stand for God. Say, I want to step mm -hmm. into what he's called me to do. Yeah. I want to step up. I want to lead a group. Mm -hmm. Make that commitment in your heart. Yeah. Step up and do what God's calling you to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Preach. Preach. And with that said, hey, this Sunday, I'll be preaching for our Sunday service, and we're going to be talking about the shoes of the gospel and i'm so excited that i because we're talking about the armor of god i get to talk about the shoes how awesome is that so anyways god bless you guys have an incredible week